everybody this is uh al film bet episode five how are you today sam i'm good I, I think it was a great day because uh there were no asteroids coming out of the sky or tsunamis or volcanoes which apparently is something that could happen according to uh end day which is the movie that <laughs> yeah according to gareth edwards that that could happen end day directed by gareth edwards is the film that we're discussing today it's a 2005 bbc special feature so made for tv it's uh, sort of a, a fictional part documentary, part narrative drama. Gareth Edwards, uh, I know you're a big fan of him, Sam. I, I am a big fan of him because he made Rogue One, which is my favorite of the newer Star Wars movies. He did supposedly direct Rogue One, although I did hear that Tony Gilroy... Controversy, yeah. I don't know how much of that's true, but uh, Tony Gilroy directed the, the reshoots and maybe reshaped the third act of that movie. But this this was his first, I guess, filmic effort. Right. And it's not great. No, I I don't think I think both of us actively disliked this movie. This movie is um really bad. <laughs> but about about Gareth Edwards, he did go on. I think he made a low budget kind of monster film called Monsters after this film. I thought, is, I thought you were gonna say a low budget film called Godzilla. Which is how he got another monster film called Godzilla. So he's always been interested in these kind of world ending type disaster storylines. And then one of the reasons we chose him was because he has a brand new movie out, which I think came out in September, called uh, The Creator. Yeah, there's a new movie starring uh, John David Washington, I believe. I haven't got a chance to see it. I've heard uh, it has some interesting ideas, and it's a new original IP blockbuster, which you don't Mm -hmm. see a lot these days. No. So I'm excited to check that out, and I hope it's better than End Day. Imagine if it was worse than End Day. I don't, I don't really see how that would be possible. So moving on from that, I think we should get into the uh, plot summary. Uh, obviously, this will be a spoiler warning for End Day. And, and uh, to watch it off the bat, I don't think either of us recommend watching this film. It's it's just dated and it's a tough watch. But if you were, if you hypothetically were interested, this would be the point where you would stop listening to this podcast. Right. But yeah, there are definitely better things to do with your 50 minutes. I would say so. It's short. This. It is short. Yeah. It's a short it feels long. Minutes. It feels long. It feels like, um, it feels like, like at least 90 minutes. And uh, I will begin with this plot summary then. So uh, Ende is, uh, as we said, a, a docudrama that presents five alternative hypothetical doomsday uh, situations. That's what they recall it, at least in the uh, like log line. I don't know of any of... Only one of them is really a doomsday as an end of world type situation. Right. I mean, I guess the pandemic one is sort of open-ended, but everything else seems very isolated to specific cities. Which is an interesting choice. The framing device involves following a scientist named Dr. Howell, played by uh, Glenn Conroy, attempting to fly to New York City uh, for reasons that are slowly hinted at throughout the film, but is usually impeded in some way by the different disasters. All of the exposition is conveyed through these various television screens that he either passes or interacts with in some way, showing these fictional news broadcasts reporting the events, as well as talking head interviews with various British scientists and academics commenting on the effects of such disasters.
disasters. At the end of each segment, the previous section is revealed to be a, a fictional docudrama playing on the TV overnight as Dr. Howell wakes up and the next scenario begins. That's sort of the framing device for the movie. Right, which is an interesting idea. I just don't think it's well executed. I was going to say the same thing. A lot of this uh, plot summary actually sounds interesting in theory. Like just reading it out loud, it's like, oh, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. Mainly every part of the execution of this movie fails this concept. But the idea of a Groundhog Day style disaster movie is not terrible. Anyway, the first disaster is a mega tsunami. The film proposes a volcanic eruption in the Canary Islands, causing part of the island to collapse, which then triggers the enormous 500-foot wave. As the tsunami races towards the U.S. eastern seaboard, the Navy attempts to evacuate New York City. Unable to fully evacuate in time, the wave floods the city, causing the deaths of thousands. Many inhabitants manage to survive by climbing skyscrapers, which were sturdy enough to survive the force of the water. Meanwhile, Howell gets cut off in traffic, nearly misses his flight, and is disappointed when flights to New York get canceled due to the tsunami. For some reason. That right. feels very fair. Yeah, you think, you think you'd be grateful for not dying. Yeah, this guy's just the worst. <laughs> The second scenario begins with reports of explosions from, quote, missiles in the Middle East, which are quickly discovered to be, in fact, fragments of asteroids. Astronomers then explain that an enormous asteroid will soon be in their wake, which is on course to collide with Berlin, Germany. The combined militaries of Germany, Britain, and the U.S. try to alter its course by exploding nuclear missiles near the asteroid. This only serves to break the asteroid into many small pieces. Berlin is evacuated. We see a family attempt to leave the city and succeeds in getting their young son on a train. As he departs, the boy watches completely unemotionally as the asteroid fragments just destroy the city, decimate it, and they even narrowly miss hitting the train that he is on, and he uh, just turns his head away and has no emotion once again. Powell manages to get on the plane, but he's again upset when his flight is canceled. I guess you could say Berlin becomes an asteroid city. Very true. It's a little oh Easter God. egg for, uh, for returning listeners. The third event is a respiratory virus pandemic eerily similar to COVID-19 and inspired by the SARS outbreak in 2002. In the film, the illness is called the Far East Virus and is spread in the UK after a traveler from Hong Kong infects others on an underground train. The plague quickly spreads across Europe and into North America. We watch a young English woman who has an infant daughter attempt to contact her mother, who was a passenger in the initial flight. It's revealed that she is the one who cuts off Powell's car in traffic. As the British armed forces enforce strict quarantine complete with this part is, this part's a bit of a joke. Complete with surveillance helicopters and massive tanks roaming suburban neighborhoods like a dystopian military state. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. The woman arrives at her mother's house and drops a message through the door, unaware that her mom lay deceased on the floor at the other side. So sad. A man steals her car with her child inside, but quickly crashes it into a lamppost. The young girl is rescued by a soldier. Powell makes it to New York, but is dismayed when he has to quarantine on the tarmac. We find out that the death toll reached millions of people. The fourth situation is a super volcano, which has activated below Yellowstone National Park. A family visiting Old Faithful dies when the ground below them explodes, and their car is sent off a cliff. The entire park is overwhelmed by the eruption. A nearby driver dies in a head-on collision with a semi-trailer trying to escape. Powell's plane is diverted to Canada, and survivors in Denver emerge from the lava and destruction. I've heard that there are a few active volcanoes recently, in like Iceland and Mexico. Mm. So that's another one that's coming true, I guess. I'm sure it will be. Not to the extremes, but you know. You never know. The fifth and final disaster is the only one without a natural origin. Howell's plane finally lands as he reaches his laboratory, 
avoiding protesters outside. The interviewees discussed the, quote, strangelet, a hypothetical new type of matter, which Howell is attempting to form using Earth's largest particle accelerator. What Powell had previously described as a one in a billion chance occurs, and the experiment causes a massive explosion and creates a black hole. The strange matter disastrously affects the climate, causing massive storms, which we see destroy Paris and cause two planes to collide. Earth is completely overwhelmed with a strangelet. And we all die. Yes. Pretty big Death toll on that one. Yeah. And finally, uh, we conclude with physicist Frank Close explaining that these particle experiments are an attempt to, to recreate what happened in the Big Bang. He reassures that unlike the previous events, nothing, quote, untoward will come out of these experiments. And it just makes great television. And that's how we end. And it ends in the same way that uh, all the other segments concluded. Right. So you feel like you're the one about to experience a disaster scenario. So like Alex said, reading that probably didn't sound bad because it is an interesting concept, but a lot of the execution is very, very just amateur or downright hard to explain some, a lot of the decisions that were made here. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you mentioned, like, in every different disaster for the TV shots, it was, like, the same reused shot, just with superimposed screens on them. Almost every decision just feels unspeakably cheap, lazy, and confusing. Clearly, they were inspired by Groundhog Day. They really wanted you to know that. Yeah, they referenced it, too, actually. They even show it on Oster the egg. matinee. Yeah. But this is, this is no Groundhog Day. Like, yeah, the, the idea is not uninteresting. It presents each scenario as a, a fictional docudrama. And then at the end, it sort of presents a situation where we, the audience, are are, ne- are next in terms of experiencing the natural disaster. Too many people think of these types of natural disasters as fictional or right. like they're never going to, there's no chance that these will ever occur in our lifetime. Um, but we're already seeing that that's not the case. So I, I like that element of it. Of, of, I, I like, like we said, some of the ideas here are not necessarily the worst. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think watching this post-COVID really makes it more powerful because... Definitely gives it more meaning. Right, because if one came true, maybe the others will too. The idea of trying to show the impact of these kinds of, to an extent, mythical disasters that we never actually think about the realistic consequences of or implications of what would happen if this uh, if, if these different types of things happened to us. So yeah, looked at that through that lens, there's actually maybe something rewarding in watching this, but unfortunately the execution just ruins it. And yeah, like you were saying, watching this after COVID is definitely interesting. It seemed that it was inspired by the SARS virus of 2002, Right, because that had just happened. That had just happened in uh, 2002 to 2004. And I believe COVID-19 was uh, itself a strain of of that same respiratory flu. That sounds familiar. I guess they weren't completely prophetic in that way because they had some sort of influence. So it wasn't like super super hard to predict on a British TV show budget from 2005. With no-name actors and uh, at the time no-name filmmaker. Right. I'm. I'm just wondering why they, uh, the BBC, would even uh, commission this, knowing their budget and their and what they could do. It was definitely stretching the limits of what they could pull off. I know there was a letterbox for you. I don't. I don't know if you pulled it that compared the the CGI in this to CGI in early Doctor Who for obvious reasons. Also, for such a big scope, such an ambitious project, why would they choose 
a director who had never directed anything before. Yeah. At points, it feels like a student film. Yeah, true. And, and not even a good student film. A lot of the, the camera work. I remember early on, you said that you were getting pretty tired of it already because there's, there's it's almost all these handheld shaky erratic shots that just i guess contributes to how stressful everything feels but well, that was the idea clearly right but not very interesting and fun to watch and like you were saying they reuse the same camera movements to show that it's the same day over and over so but boring. it gets boring yeah it gets so boring and a disaster film should not, should be a, should not be boring there are one or two cool shots of the disasters but the only uh positive thing that came out of this film for me was thinking about how gareth edwards went on to make some actually well-received and uh, Im- visually impressive films from this. So I guess even if you make something as terrible as End Day, your career yeah. is not over before it begins, I guess. You have to start somewhere. Everyone starts somewhere. And he clearly improved immensely yes. Yes, yes, yes. after his work here. Very much so. It was kind of confusing because the message, if any, I feel like with these types of TV world-ending specials, there's always some message about like being preventable, like climate change or something, especially more recently. But pretty much all of these were just completely natural, unpreventable disasters until right. the last one, which I, th- I thought the, the strange lit black hole caused by man thing was really out of place. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering if the context of, of the time, 2005 in Britain, if there were studies like this being done, part of like a public fear that this would happen. I had a similar thought and I feel like that's possible. But then the note that they leave you on is that these kinds of experiments have happened and that they are not dangerous and that you shouldn't worry about it. And it just feels like um, unless they're not intending to endorse that final statement and it's more of like a ironic final touch. That's what I thought it was. Which it could have been because of your reading of the ending being... Um, flipping it on the viewer. Flipping it on the viewer, right. The other way of obviously reading it is that those initial four not human-caused, completely right. natural disasters prevented that fifth disaster from happening because it impeded him from getting oh, to New York. That I did not uh, think about that, actually. Which is interesting on the surface, but also they're constructing this fictional scenario in the first place. So I don't see how that's... I don't really, I don't really understand what it's saying, I guess. Right. Because as it is, it's like, if these natural disasters happened, they, I guess, might kill less people than stop us from entirely killing ourselves. It's a weird message. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a weird message. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I'm struggling to wrap my head around what the the end goal of all of it was. What's the end goal of end day? I I don't know. The only thing I could see is is the anti-studies on atoms. That's that's pretty much all I would get away if I was a viewer at the time watching the BBC is that I don't want scientists to do these kinds of experiments because it will consume the earth in a black hole. Also, the, the, I just realized the only other maybe preventable one was the pandemic. Right, but with a natural, pre- preventable in, in, in the sense that it, it spread because of human idiocy, yeah. but it still had natural origins. I think that was my favorite scenario to watch play out, maybe because of its relevance and uh, eerie similarity to COVID-19. Yeah, that was probably the best, the most thought-provoking one for us. Thought-provoking and also, in another way, absolutely ridiculous. The tanks rolling down Main Street (laughs) or or rolling down the suburban streets. Yeah, that was kind of funny. (laughs) But it was cool nonetheless. And then, of course, I also enjoyed the uh, uh, little boy on the train. Oh, yeah. And that brilliant acting there. I I think it's implied that he does die because did you see how big the asteroid was? Yeah, but his, the train escapes. Or at least it seemed like it did. I guess it's a little bit ambiguous. We never see the train blow up is what I'm saying. Right, okay. Then let's, hopefully he survives. Uh, Worst CGI in the movie? Um, What do you think? I don't, I don't remember which one it was. They seemed like helicopters and missiles and stuff. Yeah, uh, that was probably, 
That was the asteroid, the beginning of the asteroid. Right, one. yeah. Uh, right. Where the missile comes out of the yeah. uh, the pasture. Yeah. For me, it has to be uh, the super volcano, the fourth one. There was some okay. truly <laughs> Spy Kids 3 level horrific CGI yeah. decisions there. That's Everything from the car rolling down the cliff to the semi uh, the semi trailer truck. Yeah, that was a weird scene. Some weird like continuity errors. That entire that oh my god, there's so many glaring errors with everything. Yeah. In this film, I think that was my least favorite. I should rank them. How oh, you did? Yeah. What's your ranking? Pandemic was my favorite, mm-hmm. and then the tsunami. I thought. I think that had the best CGI. Yeah, I mean it's all rel- it's relative. True. For the time, I think it, that was probably the best. And then the particle accelerator. Mm-hmm. And then the comet. Right. And then the volcano at number five. I, I, think, you? I think the comet asteroid thing was my favorite. Really? Because there's this really cool shot where, like, there are a bunch of asteroids raining down, and you think that that's all it's going to be. Then all of a sudden, this, like, massive asteroid just comes out from nowhere and hits the city. I think I've seen that shot before. I think it's probably the most famous shot, if you want to say there's a famous shot. In this movie? Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. I just wish that it was executed with a higher, right. with a higher budget. Yeah. That was one of the better shots in the film, for sure. Yeah. I just couldn't look past that kid's terrible acting. Also, the main guy. Really poor acting. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. Really poor acting decisions. And a lot, I'm sure some of that stems from Gareth Edwards' directing as well. Right. Yeah, speaking of, of Gareth Edwards, he really likes explosions, definitely. I saw some similarities between this and Rogue One. If you've ever seen Rogue One, every like section of the plot, he didn't write it, but every section of the plot ends in some sort of a, a big explosion or mass destruction type thing. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that they chose uh, him to direct Tony Gilroy's script, because he clearly is into blowing stuff up. Yeah, he definitely has an interest in, uh, in disaster films. Right. And luckily, Rogue One has considerably better CGI if they lean into the level of ridiculousness associated with this kind of terrible graphics, there's a chance it would have been more fun to watch. But for me, the level of enjoyment that I got out of watching this bad CGI just ran out real quick. They, they were taking themselves too seriously. It took itself way too seriously, to its detriment. So we'll move on to our own reviews of the film. Unfortunately, not a lot to talk about when it comes to this movie. But like we were talking about, just, you know, reading the plot summary, it's not like this is a completely terrible or worthless idea. But because of the low budget and the terrible execution, not that it would be probably possible to execute this with that budget. I can't imagine it would be. Not in 2005. Yeah. Not not today. Yeah. the, The production stuff is not Gareth Edwards' fault. Of course, of course. Just in the terms of whether I would recommend this or not, I can't say that I would. Just the shoddy acting, the cinematography, and the terrible CGI. It's just, it's dated. It's just a a dated piece of disaster docudrama that's unfortunately not worth watching for any reason. It doesn't even have significance as a piece of bad cinema because it's just, it's just boring. Right. I'm I'm not sure how monumental this was in BBC history. I guess that would be the only reason to watch it. Is for, um, for for that part. Yeah, if you're history, in broadcasting history. I imagine you have a similar take to me in terms of. Yeah, I, I think we're pretty agreed this week. I will note that on Letterbox, I think I gave it half a star more. Did, did you add that extra half? Star I did. Yeah. I was thinking about it. I was like, mm, one and a half. Okay. Uh, probably probably because I did get some ironic enjoyment out of the bad CGI. I think that may have been the one reason that I knocked it up to one and a half stars. Yeah, I'll give it one star out of five. Really nothing redeemable about this movie. And you couldn't even really laugh at it because it just was so repetitive and boring. So I think this is definitely our, or definitely my least favorite movie that we've seen all, all time. 
but also uh, for this podcast. It's the worst film you've ever seen? No, no, no. Uh, one of. One of. I would, yeah, maybe one of. It's not even like good, bad, you know? like Right. But yeah, easily e- easily it. the worst film uh, that we've covered. An Al film bet so far. The least merit in, in checking it out. Yeah, barely, barely even a film, to be honest. Barely even a film. And I wish we had more fun with it. I was hoping we would have more fun with it going in than we ended up having with it. And the first film that I would not recommend watching out of the five we've done so far, actually. I would not recommend Dress to Kill either. Right. But we did, we, me, Sam and I disagreed about that element of it. But yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing Gareth Edwards' new movie sometime soon. And I'm sure it'll be better than this. I would hope so. So now is the section where we look at some reviews from other people online. Uh, This week, uh, we only have reviews from people on Letterboxd, so no critics. I really could not find any critic reviews on this. It's not on Rotten Tomatoes. It is really hard to find anything solid about this film. Interesting. All from real people. Yeah, it's definitely, to an extent, lost to time in a way. Although on YouTube, this thing has like hundreds of thousands of views. It's crazy. 800,000 views or something? People on YouTube love disaster stuff, so... Right, that's a good point. So it seems like it ha- it has a bit of a following, but even on Letterboxd, there was only about Many. a few hundred people that like logged a, it. I think the most liked review had like 46 likes. Okay, so that's a that's a good sign. Maybe if, if the website Letterboxd didn't exist, this would, there would truly be very little discourse around this movie. Right. Other yeah, than maybe. the YouTube comment section. Uh-huh. So I'm glad that it does. So our first review is from Roxy Sylvester on Letterboxd, who gave it two out of five stars. And they say, the structure of this is funny, if not a bit unimaginative. This single guy needing to get on a plane and being thwarted probably would have preferred just a straight talking heads with dramatic reenactment style thing explaining how each of these would work. None of the scenarios are, quote, end of the world either is the thing, except the last one, which is the whole point, I suppose, but makes it pretty boring and takes the teeth out of any of these. Should have gone full Emmerich. Roland Emmerich being a famous narrative disaster filmmaker, famously created Independence Day. Recently, I think he did Moonfall and stuff like that. But very uh, stupid, not intellectual, which is kind of contradictory to what she says earlier because it seems like she wanted a straight documentary. With, right. Well, with I, I think she's saying if they chose not to do the straight documentary, then they should have gone full Emmerich. Okay, so they should have picked one lane right. or the other. Which I agree with. They kind of try to do both. They try to be a little bit smart and like, oh, this could happen. And then they also just blow stuff up with no thought after that. With ridiculous, unrealistic CGI. Right. So you're right. I guess this is quite an, another example of uh, a movie on this podcast that's trying to do two paradoxical things at once and is unsuccessful. I feel like it's a bit of a theme here. This one is from a user named Mark on Letterboxd. He gave it two and a half out of five stars. And uh, this is a joke review. He said, bro is just unable to get on that flight, huh? This is that's a, That's a weird review because in the first one, it gets canceled. It was only the first scenario where he wasn't able to get on the plane. Right. At all. Bit of a stupid review then. Yeah, I guess they only watched the first part, which yeah, is fair I, enough. I don't blame him. The next one is from Samuel Guglielmo on Letterboxd again, uh, who gave it 1.5 out of 5 stars. Just like me. Yeah. He said, super silly docudrama sort of thing where a doctor who's going to start the particle accelerator relives four different days where, quote, the world ends. In reality, there's some catastrophic localized disaster accompanied by poorly shot scenes unnecessary fluff, hilariously terrible CGI, and flat acting. Kind of funny unintentionally, though. I think we definitely agree with the fluff, bad CGI, bad acting, poorly shot scenes, but I think we both said that we didn't really find it funny. I think it was just grating by the end of it. 
and just annoying. I know, unlike the second disaster, we were like, how can we do three more of these? Right, 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 right. And then I, I did find the second disaster funny towards the end because of the kid and also the third one. But I feel like by the volcano and how ridiculous it was, mm-hmm. that was really when I was completely checked out. But partially unintentionally funny. And then we'll conclude with a review by Jack Varley on Letterboxd who, who gave it four out of five stars. He, wow. he liked it. And he said, I watched this when I was in primary school. Okay, this is, this is a British guy. I watched this when I was in primary school and was absolutely riveted by it. It's like a kid trashing a city made of Lego, except it's with extremely dated yet endearing CGI. That was a terrible accident. <laughs> no, it's great. I think I, I looked at some reviews from the breakdown on IMDb, and it said that in the United Kingdom it didn't rate any better, but I wonder if the British public, if it was well-received at the time or not. But clearly he watched this as a kid and had some nostalgia towards it, so maybe he's biased in that sense. Yeah, which is a very powerful thing. Nostalgia is very powerful. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see this being shown in a, in a school. Oh, yeah. Those but elementary yeah. schools showed some terrible documentaries. <laughs> yes, definitely. And, like, uh, after-school specials and stuff. Uh-huh. Even in middle school and, like, high school, I remember seeing some pretty terrible things. <laughs> they had no sense yeah. of uh, quality when it came to the films they showed us. And now it's time for what I, I think is our, our favorite section. Words of the week. Yeah, words of the week. I think we've each chosen a list of, of five words. Hopefully, unlike last week, they're uh, different and not overlapping, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll I see. found it actually difficult to come up with five words this week. Yeah, ease are hard. Ease are hard, uh, especially like uh, negative adjectives it, uh, that I found, at least. Yeah. If, you, if this is, for whatever reason, the first episode that you are listening to we each choose five words that are in some way related to the film that we watched and they each begin with the letter of the week in this case e because gareth edwards and uh uh, day and they can be anything that pops into our mind when it comes to this film and uh sam will start this week so my first word of the week is enough because i am enough because it felt like enough very early on in this movie You had enough of it? Yeah. (laughs) I had enough. That's a good one. Thanks. My first word is Earth, for obvious reasons, because all of these events happen to Earth. My next word is extreme, because of all the extreme uh, disaster events that occur in this movie, and just the extreme nature of the way they happen. That is a good one. I didn't even think about that. My second word is experiment, because Mm. of the experiment that I think the company is like TBM? TBM executes at the end of the film and destroys the world because scientific pursuits can sometimes lead to disaster. All right, that's a good one too. My next word is eager because this film is just eager to destroy things and have planes crashing into each other and just show all sorts of destruction. Very nice. My third word is elements because I think all of the elements were present in this film in some way. I mean, there was the water at the beginning, and of course the fire from the volcano, earth, and air as well. That's good. My next word is one that I think I used earlier, which is erratic, because it's sort of all over the place, and you never really know when one disaster is going to start, and then once it does, it's just maybe not even intentionally, just very randomly and erratically shot. Nice. And my Fourth, second to last word is effects, because we had this conversation earlier, the butterfly effect 
of the events occurring and then stopping the real world-ending man-caused event at the end of the film. That's a great one. My last word is eccentric. In part uh, due to the acting, I guess. I feel like everybody just is bad at acting or sort of overacts a little bit. And just the whole feel of this movie is just very sort of eccentric and over-the-top. True. And then my final word is egregious because of the horrific CGI, egregious acting, directing, cinematography, all of the <laughs> attributes that we discussed yeah, uh, are particularly egregious. And I think oh. that's where we're ending for today. That's a perfect place to end it. Perfect word to end this movie on. We actually did have a guest email us about the words of the week from last week's episode, Just to Kill. This is from Carl. Yeah, it was from Carl and his word that he suggested was dichotomy, not only because of the the contrast between the first and second half of the film, but and then also our differing opinions, he says, is, is refreshing between the two of us, which yeah. we didn't totally have differing opinions. We, we slightly differed as far as whether we recommended the film to you right. guys or not. Thank you very much for the message, Carl, and for being a listener. Right. Thank you. If you guys have any suggested words for this week's Word of the Week section, or even any passwords of the week section that you you maybe just caught up on or listened to feel free to send us an email at alfilmbet at gmail.com so that was our thoughts and some other people's thoughts on our episode five movie which was end day certainly a unique one unique not in a good way as always if you want to give us any suggestions or feedback or if you want to give us your own word of the week you can send us an email at alfilmbet at gmail.com right here i'll shout out on our spotify feed on mobile we have uh, some questions and, and polls you can answer for each episode so feel free to interact with those right and you can be part of our next episode and you will definitely be part of our next episode if you do not if you just answer the poll because we that's anonymous Our next episode will be Fight Club by David Fincher. Obviously a better known one than uh, our past couple of weeks. Very exciting. And he has a new film that's, uh, I believe, just came out on Netflix called The Killer. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to check out. I am a massive David Fincher fan. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to watch out for those asteroids, tsunamis, pandemics, volcanoes, and black holes. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Oh, tomorrow never comes. Tell me that you love me, but tomorrow